Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Obianya Ejikwe about finding co-founders and managing the performance of your team. Obi-Yan welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you today. You have a, a unique and interesting background uh, with a lot of expertise in the startup space, so it'll be a fun conversation. We're going to be focusing on how you go about finding co-founders, mm-hmm. and then how do you go about the process of, of managing performance, uh, which is will include the hiring and firing and, and other elements related to that in terms of how we manage our team. Uh, and I think sp- especially when we're talking about a founding team and that's that circle of people, that core group that's going to hopefully drive the success of the organization, uh, it's really, really important to get the right people uh, exactly. into the team and working together in really effective ways. So that's what we'll be focusing our uh our conversation on today. As we get started, I just wanted to share Obi's bio with everybody. Obi Onyejikwe is an entrepreneur and product specialist with extensive experience building digital and entertainment companies. He has raised over 900,000 on revolutionary startup Nito Inc., which was acquired by AOL. Obi is an outstanding leader with a record of spearheading the development of high-end profitable products and is a startup founder with experience raising capital and building qualified teams. And I could go on and on. There's uh, so many great qualifications that you bring to the table. Uh, But again, thank you for joining me. Is there anything else you would like to add by way of background or personal context for the listeners before we dive on in? Yeah, I'm currently the CEO of Unami, which is a startup for um, software uh, for animators and video game developers. Uh, so we're solving a major pain point in that industry. Also um, work with uh, or COO of um, Pixel Pirate Studio, which is an animation studio uh, here in Los Angeles. So yeah, the two pretty much complement each other. Yeah, that's that's really great. And you are a busy man uh, doing many really cool things. So that's that's really awesome. Uh, and, and maybe start by just telling listeners a little bit more about how you found yourself getting into, you know, this founder space, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being willing to, that's, it's not for everybody, right? It's not for the faint of heart. So how did you find yourself getting into that space? Uh, I would say basically, I think uh, towards the end of my, me working over at Nickelodeon, I came up with the idea of uh, Nito, which was a facial recognition um, uh, so- software, similar to what you see in Snapchat. So when I uh, decided, you know, take the big leap, start developing the software, build a team. Um, I did intense research on the software and uh, and the code needed and the team that I needed to build. 
and then assembled team and pretty much built it and went from there. I think for me, I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit and I saw the opportunity and I was like, okay, now's the time. It's like now or never pretty much. And I even remember kind of sabotaging uh, interviews um, that I went on because I knew if I got this job and I was going to get that uh, that $200,000 paid um, salary, then forget about it. I was never going to go into the startup world. Yeah, it's it's hard to walk away from that, right? And so sometimes you just got to take the leap and and that's really cool. Uh, sounds like you're doing some really great work. Uh, so tell us now a little bit about how you've approached uh going about finding co-founders for some of your ventures in the past. Because like you said, you you really, you have to get the right people. As Jim Collins said, you got to get the right people on the bus and sitting in the right seat uh, if you want to find organizational success. And I think that's important for every employee, but it's particularly important for the founding team. Exactly. I would say, you know, first you got to measure what your next milestone is, um, whether if you're early, you're most likely early stage if you're, tr- if you're building a team. And so you got to measure what uh, milestone you're trying to reach with that, whether it's building out software, uh, building out a business plan or whatever it may be. So then you're ultimately looking for the person that's going to compliment you. So whatever you're bad at uh, and that you really need, that's what you need to hire ultimately. So if you're not an engineer, then you need a lead engineer. If, you, um, if you're not bit good at biz dev and put, putting together term sheets, understanding term sheets uh, or pitch deck or a business plan, you really need to bring somebody in for that. The next stage you got to understand or uh, break out is the value prop or of each person that you're bringing in um, because not everybody's equal. So if you start doing a 50-50 equal everybody, that's just not going to work. You know, um, it's not a democracy. It is a business and businesses really should be working as more of a, of, as a dictatorship. That's just the best way they work. Um, so if it's really equal, it just, it creates a lot of conflict and you're better going in a direction of, believe it or not, it's almost like you're almost better off going in the wrong direction fast with one person versus a battle going forward because you pretty much uh, end up in a stalemate and you don't move forward at all. Um, because then you, you fail and fail quickly and you pivot to the right thing. Um, so yeah, I think, and then can I, can I just focus on, in on, zoom in on that point here for a moment. Mm-hmm. Now, certainly, um, you know, business, you, you want to create an environment where people can speak up, they can be heard. You can have mm-hmm. dissenting voices where you can push back and challenge each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, you you have the the CEO who has to make a decision and then you have to move in that direction right exactly. and so what you're talking about which is is the de- to the detriment of many organizations is kind of this decision paralysis mm-hmm. that can set in where you're chasing um you're chasing consensus mm-hmm. that's never going to happen so it doesn't mean you don't seek input and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you don't challenge assumptions and push each other on your thinking that has to happen. But ultimately you make a decision, you move forward. And then you talked about failing fast. That Mm -hmm. is so important. Like we just need to create an environment where we're iterating Mm -hmm. rapidly. So you, you fall forward, you fail fast, you learn from what worked and what didn't work. And then you iterate, you move forward and then you refine your, your approach. Um, But you also, you don't want to allow, like sometimes we get in, perfectionist tendencies mm-hmm. when we're, especially when we're launching a new product or service, we want it to just be perfect. Mm-hmm. And certainly we, we, we need to add value to the market, but nothing's perfect nothing. on the first ch- try. Right. And so, so it's, you know, it's, we're often flying the plane as we're building it and, and we just, 
as long as you're iterating fast, mm -hmm. then you find there's, hey, there's bugs. Okay, we got to fix those bugs. We're going to do a new rollout, uh, move forward. Okay, pivot, iterate, move forward. And that's, that's really what has to happen. Exactly. And I'd say most importantly too is what dictates that drive is the customer feedback. Like what you think or what any other person thinks is irrelevant. It's about your customer. You're, you're feeding, you're basically solving their problem and their pain point first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. And then I apologize. I, I cut you off midstream, oh, no. but, uh, but uh, you were talking about that, that founding team, getting, getting people with complementary skill sets mm -hmm. um, around the table with, with different expertise. Mm -hmm. And that can be a challenge for founders at times, because frankly, there's often a lot of uh, ego involved with people who are in that space, who are very capable, very intelligent, highly skilled technical skill to be able to acknowledge your own personal gaps, mm -hmm. you know, and where, you know, your skills take you this way, but you need to build out a, a complementary team with people with all these other areas of expertise. That can be a challenging thing um, sometimes for, well, for anybody, but, you know, for, for founders who are very capable, very intelligent, have been very successful. So what, what have you found, like, how have you approached that? How have you kind of kept your own ego and your own kind of, how have you kept that in check and, and practice some intellectual humility around recognizing, you know, how you need to, to uh, fill out your team? Exactly. I mean, you definitely have to measure their, their, their tone and the feel when you're, when you are interviewing people. Um, and you got it. You really, add, this is when you really go for your gut. First you interview for competency and then you go for the gut and company culture. Are you going to vibe well with this person? Can you have drinks and a dinner with them and hang out? You know um, you know, you don't have to, you know, them be your best friend, but can you really tolerate this human being for like the next five to 10 years? You know, can you really do that? And then um, what's most important I would say is um, I think truly how you get vibe in the, in the connectivity. And then uh, do you have a history um, that also helps as well? And I think for me, when it comes to humi humility, um, for me, best idea wins. So I can, I can care less who it came from. You know, it's just, I'm going to measure no, okay, cool. Is that going to work? Uh, or I'll, I'll come up with the idea. No, so Obi, there's a better way. This one's faster. It won't cost us anything. And we can implement it in like two days. Done. You know, run with it. You know, and that's it. So for me, I would say, yeah, best idea wins is one of the top uh, mantras on our company. Yeah, I, I love that. And uh, again, it, 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 I think it takes a level of security in yourself, right? Mm -hmm to, to have that kind of confidence and lean on your team that way, uh, where, where you're all in it together. You just want to grow and develop the, the organization and, and help, help you bring value to the market. And so just recognizing, um, that the, the best idea should win, that you don't have to play all these political games mm -hmm. to try to, you know, position something like, no, just really move forward, reward people for the great ideas they have, give credit where credit's due, uh, genuine praise, and, and then just move forward quickly and, uh, on whatever that idea might be uh, and iterate. I think that's great. Exactly. And I think most importantly for me personally is, you know, my mission is to scale up, make, make money. You know, like I could care less, you know, where ideas come from. It's just, we need to make money or else we die. Yeah, right. So... I think that kind of leads into the next point of, of just general performance management. Um, how do you deal with that? 
you know, as an organization grows and scales and you have hundreds of employees, thousands of employees, you start to put in place very formal, you know, processes and performance management um, initiatives and plans and all the things around that. What, what's been your approach when you have a small team, a small core group, um, you're, you're hopefully developing trust, you're developing that relationship with each other, you're around each other all the time. Um, what's been your approach to dealing with performance and managing that? So it's, there's definitely a detailed conversation on what people can achieve and, and in relation to how much revenue you're bringing in and how much um, runway you have as well. So you're kind of balancing all those elements and then you really got to, you know, for our, for us, what we're measuring is, okay, here's what it's going to take to generate revenue. How do we get there? And then what are the, what are the, how much runway do we have to get there? And so at that point, that's what we kind of work backwards and say, okay, we need X amount of um, uh, uh, updates uh, featured in this month and then that month. And you pretty much build out a schedule from there. And everybody understands that they, you know, in, you're all in agreement of hitting these milestones as well. So when when you have your monthly, oh, not monthly, but weekly meetings, you're, all, you're constantly doing checkups and updates to see if everybody's hitting their milestones and go from there. Um, and I think at that most, and then even if you don't hit it, now you're, whether you pivot or you um, make adjustments or bring people in, you know, you got to do what it takes to kind of hit that next milestone. Yeah. And so how do you approach it when people don't hit their milestone? Uh, it is a tough conversation. You got it. Well, it's like, first question is why, what happened? You know, uh, was it um, an unforetold um, bug that you didn't see? Um, was it what did the software crash? Was it a failure in equipment? What, you know, what was it? And from there, you kind of try to solve the problem from there because it might not be their fault. It may have just been, look, bugs happen when, you know, the original code that we got from such and such just was garbage. And so you just gotta, you know, um, maybe potentially bring in additional help to uh, hit that milestone. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, I, I like the approach to just have, you know, openness, having those, those um, conversations on an ongoing basis, mm-hmm. not throwing someone under the bus just because they didn't hit a milestone arbitrarily, you know, everyone 
likes to focus on their KPIs and they want to hit, you know, those markers. Uh, but people, you know, can't work magic. And so sometimes there, there are external pressures that just can't, you just have to account for them and you have to acknowledge them and then you set up out a plan and you move forward. And so when we can have that kind of a rich conversational environment where we, we just know we can touch base and, and talk about those things, uh, I think that engenders more trust mm-hmm. and that engenders, you know, a more meaningful goals and work towards our continued development. I know for myself, I can think, you know, in past experiences around performance issues, you know, when I was the person, uh, the, the, the employee, and I had, you know, managers talking to me, um, if there was something that was completely out of my control, but they came down on me because I didn't hit some arbitrary benchmark, uh, it wasn't motivating. It wasn't, uh, it didn't help me do anything better. It just discouraged me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so we have to be able to walk that line. And I think as long as we, we have open communication and just regular dialogue around performance, uh, then, then that can really uh, get us to where we want to be. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's a problem, problem solving measure. And it's, you got to tackle it like, like a complex math problem versus a like by no means is your startup going to be a well-oiled machine. So you are going to have hiccups and you got to be ready for them. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Tell us a little bit more now about, how you've approached the hiring process. You've talked a little bit about how you want to go out and identify, you know, people to join the founding team. Um, but how do you formally go through that process? Uh, it's, it's complex. I mean, you're first reaching out to the, your closest um, uh, audience or your closest, um, whether it be your investors or your, your employees, your friends, you're kind of going within that inner circle to find uh, the closest group of people that you know that know experienced people for that um, for that role, and of course you're doing a, um, a, a job description that that will go out um, and go from there. Once that category is exhausted, then now you're getting on LinkedIn. You know, at that point, um, because as a startup, you know you don't, you can't afford to pay for these dra- you know, um, grandiose services that will charge you a significant amount of capital to go find people. So you really got to hit the ground whether it be AngelList or LinkedIn to really reach out to those individuals, do a mini interview from there and then get the resume and then do that formal interview. And I would say that formal interview, like I said, is more competency first. And then do you fit company culture? Now, another step I use for um, hiring engineers is I'll use a, um, a technical co-founder or, um, or technical advisor, and they'll actually do more of a, um, a deep dive into their competency uh, and t- have them take multiple tests to go from there to make sure that they can actually achieve uh, what we need to get done. Yeah, I, I think that's good. And it, it, it is important to focus on competencies and capabilities, uh, which is different than I think the traditional approach was, you know, what what's the the formal education achieved? What, you know, how many years of experience? And we had kind of these arbitrary formal mm-hmm. benchmarks that we wanted people to meet and it doesn't make much sense. It, it really just follows tradition. Um, and that's the way it, it has always been. I think more and more companies are realizing that that's kind of silly. You don't care. I mean, who cares whether you, you got a master's degree in whatever from whatever university, mm-hmm. if you have the skills, the competencies and the capabilities to be able to do what needs to be done, mm-hmm. uh, then, then by all means, you know, bring them on board. And, and to your point about fit, 
uh, culture fit, I think is, is always important. Um, of course, we're not talking about hiring people that are just like us um, because we don't want to create a group think environment where, where, you know, we're not challenging each other's thinking. We do want to get, you know, a diverse team together. We do want not only, you know, racial, ethnic, gender diversity, we want cognitive diversity. We want different ways of viewing things. We want different worldviews. We want that brought into the team, but you do have to be able to mesh together. You have to be able to work together. And you made the comment earlier, you know, is this someone you can stand being around for, you know, five or 10 years? Absolutely. Um, Especially in a startup, you're going to be spending such long hours, so closely intertwined. um, And it's got to be someone who can fit with the team, uh, plain and simple. Exactly. No, I mean, it's on a part of it kind of stems from our past uh, working in animation and um, graphic design and uh, illustration. Um, I, I never looked at where, where they went to, to school. I went straight to their portfolio. You know, that's what told, right. it told me everything. Yeah. Uh, well, I love that. I wish more people would, would embrace that mentality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I always, it, I, it, it bothers, you know, I'm a professor. Um, you know, I, I love academia. I love the university setting. Um, but it, it's always bugged me when people are elitist and, mm-hmm. um, you know, who cares? Like, who cares what university you went to? Who cares? Like, what I care about is what you bring to the table, what you can do for, for the organization, how you can help the team. That should be the number one goal, not, you know, which school you happen to go to or, or whatever, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, so how about the, the firing process? Mm-hmm. So sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes... Mm-hmm. You, you've coached, you've mentored, you've had these performance discussions. You thought you got the right person in. For whatever reason, it just didn't work out. They're not responding to the coaching and the performance discussions. Um, how, how have you approached the process of discipline and even getting to the point of, of firing and letting people go? Uh, key thing, do it fast. Um, you definitely want the minute you see there's a problem or they're not getting it or things aren't working out, you've got to address it really quickly. And I generally kind of get you, give you like one chance because it's not an emo, it's not emotional. We got to hit our metrics or we're in trouble. So once it's not working out, you're, you're out, you know, I sit you down. I kind of go over the things that weren't, aren't working. And sometimes it's a cultural thing too, or a cultural fit. It's, it, you know, we just don't mesh together as well. Um, but generally it's always performance and look, this just isn't um, what we're looking for. We need X, Y, Z. Um, and then just end it right there. And then, you know, speed is it because if you, the longer you leave them on, the more money you're spending and the more money you're losing as well. Well, well yeah, absolutely. You're, you're losing the money um, directly, but you're also indirectly there's, there's, impacts on the team, the dynamics mm-hmm. of the team, mm-hmm. one person's poor performance usually uh, has uh, extending impacts oh. and mm-hmm. ripple effects on, on people around them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was interesting. I was having a discussion with a leader um, just earlier today, actually. And the question was, we had, so this, this organization, they have someone who's, who's really skilled, really talented, all the capabilities necessary, um, a, a good performer, but they just rubbed everyone the wrong way. Like everyone on the team, it, it was an un, kind of a toxic environment, an unhealthy team dynamic. And so this leader was wondering, like, what do I do? Like, I don't want to lose this person. They're a really great performer, um, but it's not working. Like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. How, how would you respond to that? Oh, they got to go. I mean, I think, there's <laughs> a whole, I think there's a whole report done on it. 
and they they said even if that person's really good what ends up happening is they disrupt everything in the company and you end up losing money on your ultimate goal as a company because this person has disrupted the whole flow of the whole industry you're better off getting rid of them bringing in something even less qualified that's going to mesh well and you'll move forward faster because at the end of the day as a company a lot of pieces have to work together well you know yeah well we're we're in agreement that's exactly what i said (laughs) and you know it, it it maybe it seems counterintuitive but to your point, I mean, that the, the cohesion of the group is so vital. Mm-hmm. And if you're not working together well, the ripple effects and the downline effects and how it impacts the customers is likely going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And I would much rather have someone who's hungry, who's maybe a little bit um, fresh, a little naive, someone uh, who, who doesn't really quite know what they're doing, but they're hungry and they're, they're willing to work hard. Um, I would much rather have a person like that with a lower skill level mm-hmm. th- than someone who's not teachable, coachable, uh, and, and just c- consistently c- causes problems. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, you know, it, I, I get it. It can be painful. You know, if, if I, if, you know, I don't want to call out any like professional sports athlete, but if, you know, if I have an all-star on my team and they're awesome, but they, they consistently are dysfunctional with all the team members, mm-hmm. you know, cut them loose, man, exactly. move, move on and, and rebuild the team, you know, and, and you're going to be stronger for it. So. Exactly. Well, Obi, it, it has been a really great conversation with you. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I see we're coming towards the end of our time, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you. Uh, how they can find out more about your companies and the, and the work that you're doing and then give us the last word on the topic for today. Okay, cool. So yeah, like um, you could contact me. Uh, our, our website is uh, getunami, G-E-T-U-N-O-M-I.com. It's our uh, site for our software company. We're also doing equity crowdfund. So you can find us on uh, micro ventures and just look up Unami or get Unami and we're, we're on there. And then uh, you can also go to Pixel Apart Studio, um, which is our animation studio, um, pixelpartstudio.com, and you'll see all the amazing work that we're, that we're working on. And yeah, thank you for having me. And yeah, this is a great show and happy to help entrepreneurs whenever possible. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Obi. It has been a real pleasure. I appreciate all the experience, the insights you bring to the table and sharing with listeners. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected with Obi, find out more about what he and his companies can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.
Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.